0: Welcome to The Grinders Table, the podcast where we sit with C-suite executives and founders who are taking their industry by storm to figure out how you can build an exceptional career and business. Together, we'll try to uncover how they have both defined odds and what you can learn from their experience. Okay, um, happy new year everyone. Um, and I'm just gonna get right into it. Today we have an amazing, amazing person. And um, you know that I don't like to introduce people. So um, what I'm gonna do is allow Caleb introduce himself.
1: Oh no, I'm putting me on the spot. Um, Bro, it's good to be here. Uh, And yeah, super excited to be part of this. I'm Caleb. Uh, I am managing partner at Proximity Ventures, which is a fund investing in uh, startups across Africa. And i'm also the founder of tech safari which is a newsletter that writes about african tech and startups every week Ha. Huh.
0: that's so short an introduction but anyways um you, you know i like to dig into the backstory. um i'm curious how did you get here what were your passions what did you study in i mean university did that inform where you are now
1: yeah yeah awesome um yeah, it was a short introduction because I knew that we were going to get right into it. So, <laughs> so um, this will be a long explanation. Um, but yeah, man, I guess like the way it started, I, I grew up in Australia, um, in across Australia, but I'm originally from Ethiopia. So my family is from Ethiopia and I spent a lot of time going back and forth. Um, and I knew like from a pretty young age that like, Australia was a bit boring. Um, the problems that we have here are very different to the problems in, in Ethiopia and across the continent. And I knew that I wanted to work in Africa. And I thought that the best way to do that and the best way to have impact was to work for one of these like amazing, I thought amazing at the time, organizations like the United Nations or um, the African Union or um, yeah, like a basically development organization or um, international body like that. And so I built my career Focusing on getting into that space. And I studied law um and politics uh, or policy. Um, and I was really lucky because across that time I spent a bunch of time across Ethiopia and I s- actually started a consultancy that um was doing peace and security policy. So it was basically looking at countries across East Africa. Um, there's a region across East Africa called the IGAD region, which um IGAD's like a body um for East mm-hmm. Africa and it Yeah, um, you're probably familiar with them. Um, And so we did a lot of work in that region for IGAD and also for like the UN, African Union, et cetera. And in running that consultancy, you know, we were basically like, how do you rebuild a society post-conflict? Which is a really interesting question. And there's a lot of like, there's heaps of like answers to (laughs) to that question. Um, And it's very different when you go from country to country. And I was lucky that I actually started that while I was at uni. And um, it grew while I was at uni as well. So I left. I, I didn't finish my law degree, and I just fo- I just finished my policy degree and focused on the consultancy. Um, and it was amazing. Like I got to learn about the space. I met incredible people. I did what I thought was meaningful work. But across that period, I realized that a lot of these companies that all like a lot of these institutions that I worked with didn't actually have the best interests in mind for the people on the ground. And you would experience that, you know, I traveled to like regional um, Ethiopia and there was just so much distaste for these institutions that would just like, you know, come in, do something that was like completely irrelevant for the community and then just leave when there were real problems. And so by the end of that, I got pretty disenfranchised. I got pretty, um, yeah, pretty like uh, just sick of it. And so I decided I wanted to do something else. And on that trip, I actually spent time with founders in Ethiopia. Um, Ethiopia's tech seems pretty small, but at the time it was up and coming, it was really exciting in 2019. And I was like, yeah, these are the people who I want to support, like individuals who are fixing problems in their communities and turning them into like really interesting businesses and really interesting companies that can then have like massive scale and impact. so that was 2019, COVID hit. So I came back to Australia okay. um, and I was like, how do I get into tech? Like, what's the best way to do it? And I spent like a lot of the year just testing stuff out, failing, you know, losing a lot. And um, one of my friends had just uh, had just started pitching his startup entry level. And so I joined him to help him build that at the very beginning. And we grew entry level at the time um, from, yeah, like it was just an idea. Uh, we eventually got funding and just kicked it off. And we were trying to build a, a system that could teach people how to get into Um, how to get jobs really quickly through education so that we figured that there was a gap between education and recruitment and that like quick uh quick uh programs that could teach you a skill really quickly would fix that gap and so we launched entry level kind of went viral in africa um we went we became massive in nigeria built a massive talent pool of like tech talent um, and that kind of brought me back to Africa, which is really cool. And, uh, in running and scaling entry level, we grew up from like a team of basically two at the time. to a team of I think now there's 20, um, grew our user base massively. And I was kind of doing everything, but my role as head of programs in that. And it was just like running around building a startup. It was amazing, like such a fun two years. And I worked with a really cool team there. Um, and across that time I was like, okay, like I know that working on one company is cool. Um, And like, you know, just focusing on one thing is like, it's good to do, but I got bored and I kind of realized that I wanted to help more startups rather than just fix one problem to support like different problems getting solved. So I raised a small fund from friends and family um, to start investing in startups across Africa. And um, yeah, I think at that point, because entry level hit a lot of traction, um, a lot of like clout and also just connected us to a lot of founders. We realized that like we could yeah, we could like off the back of that launch this fund. And so we did. Um, yeah. And it's been about a year now. I've just been working on proximity ventures, investing in cool startups. And um, I guess the last leg of this, and wow, it's been a monologue at this point. Bro. So if you want to interrupt, Feel free. free. Um, the last one here is like when I was in Africa a couple of months ago, when we hung out, actually, um, one of my biggest learnings was that one of the things that isn't being done well in Africa across African tech is like storytelling not many people are sharing what's happening in African tech to the rest of the world in a way that anyone can understand. And so I realized this when I would be traveling around Africa and I just like, I'd post a video or like a photo of something I was doing and people would be like, holy shit, like I didn't even realize there was a tech scene in, <laughs> in Nigeria. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I realized that this is like a really cool opportunity to educate people and show them what's happening in African tech. And so I started Tech Safari a month ago. Um, and yeah, just focus on growing that and building that into, um, yeah, a really like important newsletter that tells people about what's happening. So
0: i am going to work backwards. I mean, very interesting um, experience and story. Um, for you, what has been the most rewarding part of this?
1: Uh, that's a really good question. I think one of the most rewarding things is like, it's really exciting when I guess just personally, like it's really, really, really exciting when you see like um, different experience that you accrue experience. So like as you go through different careers, like you get experience in different things and sometimes you just like you never use that experience again. Like my research experience that I got at the consultancy and my management experience there, I like I didn't have to use that much of it when I was at entry level because when I was at entry level, like I was just building, I was building like stuff every day um and trying to like build programs and, and like get things moving and grow stuff but then like you know now there's like a lot of that a lot of those skills now accrue and they become like your next thing and so like i think of Tech of barry is like a combination of my growth skills my writing and research skills um my skills in managing a team like it's really cool when all these things come together and you kind of like have skills that you can just bring into your next thing and you learn something new. So that personally has been fulfilling just because I like the pursuit of like improving in growth, but also like, I think what's also fulfilling is, you know, now we're helping founders and you'd you probably know this as a VC, man, like mm-hmm. you get to help founders go from zero to one and seeing that growth, like looking at our founders over the last year has been super exciting. Um, and it's just felt really good because we're close to those people and um, they're like achieving, you know, highlights and wins and they're growing um, and you get to like be a part of that. So that's been really cool as well.
0: Huh. Yeah, and and I absolutely believe that. I think that for me, my life personally, whatever i applied is um, I think success in the end for me will be a combination of everything I've done over time. And, um, and my purpose is found in doing, right? I absolutely believe that your purpose is found in doing stuff, so you can't sit on your butt and expect that you would figure out what you're supposed to be doing or what the next thing you're supposed to work on. You just have to keep on doing, doing, and be delivering whatever you do. Um, let's go back to your experience as, as a startup founder. I mean, again, entry level. Um, what will you see was your and you talked about basically you talked about growing your team over time what would you see was um how did you manage your team i mean what was your experience managing teams actually you know coming out of covid and you know having it maybe i, I think your team was decentralized how did you manage that
1: yeah it's a good question um oh it's yeah i think like it's interesting because i reckon startups like break at every point so like <laughs> there's there's like the, you know, three people just feel like four people just trying to build something and launch it. Like that's a, that's a really interesting phase where like everyone has like one job or no, everyone has like different jobs and you're all just trying to do the same, like get something out there and launch it ASAP. And that that's very, very different to like having a team where you now have divisions and you know what, like who does what, and you split up the team and you have department heads, like they're all very different stages. So I think, like, that experience, you just have to, like, I actually think, like, a lot of people, why a lot of people, like, struggle at startups or even, like, um, in management is that they, as you increase your experience and as you increase, like, the team size and things you need to do, your level or your ability to, like, um, to execute and to, like, manage people also needs to improve. And people kind of drop off, like, they hit a point where they can't, like, increase that anymore or it's really difficult for them and that's, like, their sort of limit um and so for me it was just like okay as we go from like four of us and no direct reports to like you know 20 of us and now everyone has like a couple of direct reports it's like how do you make sure that you're a manager who is a like achieving what you need to do but then b making sure that your team isn't blocked by you and that they have the things they need to to do well so yeah i don't know it's been interesting like i yeah, I think like a lot of it is just like feeling your way through it and just like learning rapidly and and, and radical candor as well. So just being honest and owning like if you like do well or you're not doing well um, and being like honest about where you're at. See, so yeah, I found that interesting. Um, I find it more interesting now, I think like with proximity, uh, mm-hmm. we're we're not like a, we're a team. So there's there's I think like fiber bus involved quite a few people involved aren't like actually necessarily working at Proximity. They're just interested in VC. And so I wanted to bring them in and show them like the ropes and also get them contributing. And that's been really fun too, because like in that you work on different projects with individuals. So it's less like employer employee relationship. It's more like Mm -hmm. it is kind of employer employee in some ways, but it's more like we're working on a cool project together and you have ownership over this. Um, and like let's like brainstorm ideas and then go execute so that's like I'm really liking this now um, it's a bit different but yeah <laughs> I mean you
0: talk about ownership really and I see that many early stage founders struggle with um, giving their I mean I wouldn't call them supporting I see a staff agency and you know ownership to do what they ought to do do you have any insights on how you can? Um, build that that's that skill because i i don't think everybody has that skill in terms of you know taking ownership of something and running uh towards the organizational goal
1: yeah that's a really good that's a really good point um i think it's like it's an interesting one because there's like two i think there's like two parts here. one is like when you know something needs to be done to a standard and you have a really good idea of what that should look like sometimes it's like it's better that you don't give ownership and you actually teach someone like this is the very specific process that works and like this is why it works so let's like i want you to like replicate this process and do it really well and that doesn't require ownership that just requires like training and like sort of hand holding until someone can get there um and so yeah so there's like process things on that end and then on the other end it's like projects or ideas or like growth is one one example where like you have a a benchmark it's like i need you know i want to make like ten thousand in revenue this month um, and you sort of give it to your head of growth to be like, okay, go get me $10,000 worth of, worth of contracts. So I think like in that sense, in the second sense where it's like you have a goal, but like, there's a lot of pathways to get there. That's one of the best points to give someone ownership if you trust them and sort of give them guidance on the way, like, you know, have them like experiment, fail, try different things out, but like, yeah, give them the ownership to go do it. Cause like the more that you give that agency, the more that like you as a, like you can a like put your hands sort of stop like uh working on things directly and give it to your team and then b is like your team grows as well and they get better and better if you do that so yeah i think it's like sometimes So just to summarize that because it's a bit waffly is like sometimes you need to follow processes and like having people repeat a process is a good thing other times it's just like you have a goal you need to hit and it's better just let them go for it and do anything they can or try different things out to get there Um, have you had to ever let somebody go oh yeah i have yeah (laughs) i
0: I I mean i mean um, right now the world is in that period where i mean there are massive layoffs, and everybody you know always pushing back why will this company lay off you know blah 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 um from from the founder perspective i mean
1: what 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 how does that feel emotionally i don't like it's um yeah good 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 question. Damn, that's a hard question, man. <laughs> like, um, that's deep. I gotta like, I gotta think now. Um, yeah, there's like the emotional response and then there's the practical response and like the practical response is, um, like you work at a startup. And so at any point it's sudden death. And if you can't, like, you run, like the game's over once you run out of money or if you can't make money, um, And so you need people who can push you closer and aren't a detriment to your team and who will actually like support your team and and sort of get you further. And so you need to fire those people because if you don't, right, like if you keep people on the team who aren't doing anything, then the whole company goes under and then everyone loses their job. And so that's, you don't want that. But on the emotional side, it's like, it's hard, especially when you have like a culture where everyone's tight and you're at your first like 10 people and everyone knows each other. They've worked with each other pretty well. And at that point, it's like, it's difficult because you, you want to cut ties, but in a way that's like respectful and in a way where there's like not much emotion involved, but it's really hard to do that. So I don't know when I've had to do it in the past, it's been very like, Hey, like, I appreciate you. And I think you brought all this to the table, but these are the reasons why. Um, and a lot of the time, like if I do it, I will give people an, a chance to improve on exactly what they can't, like what they were lacking. And if they can't do it, then it's kind of like time to move on. Um, and what I've seen people do and like, you know, um, AJ, who's like the CEO of entry level has done really well is like, um, I'm trying to think if he's done this. I don't know if he has, but like, I know that if, if it got to a point where we had to lay people off at, at entry level, um, he would help them, right? Like he'd help them find the next thing. He'd be like really supportive in that. And I think that's what good founders and CEOs do. They're like, they support that team, whether or not they're in the organization.
0: Yeah talking about feedback and you know this time i wanted to wear wear some of your vc hearts um how do you in terms of giving feedback um how do you give feedback how do you give good respectful feedback
1: yeah so i think yeah i think it, it like there's probably two things one is like it being honest like like actually being honest in your feedback and not like not buttering something up to make someone feel good, and not like backtracking, and just being like really clear on like what, it, like what was why you know why did you pass from that company, or why did you, um, decide to make that decision, or like where does someone need to improve? Being really honest and straightforward, and giving examples, um, and then yeah, I think that that's like the first one because the the worst thing you can do is give people feedback that's too nice, but also just doesn't get the point across, because otherwise it's like what like why are you even saying this? Then the other point is like, I think that it really helps to, um, it really helps to, how do I put this part? Um, Yeah, being honest and direct, and then it really helps to like do two things. One is like, if you are giving feedback to a company on maybe why you're passing, and there are things you genuinely appreciate about that company, I always highlight them. I'm like, you're like, I think you're, an, you're a really good founder because you've done this, this, and this, but this is where I'm having trouble. Um, Or I'll say like, hey, I think what you've done on this part of the company is really impressive but like this is where i'm i'm lacking and i think that that's nice because like i don't know how, how often founders get that i think a lot of founders just get like an email being like hey we're out sorry like um so like so being able to do that is really important and it's sort of like the feedback that i think founders probably need you know they when you fundraise you get rejected a lot and so having like positive feedback is good and then the other one is just like Sometimes if you have an opinion on something that's just an opinion, and you don't know if it's true or not, just making it clear that that's, that's communicated like, you know, so like we'll pass on a company that's doing, I don't know, like um say like something like a dog walking app in Africa and, and like our opinion, like I just be like, Hey, it's in my opinion that like this probably won't work because X, Y, Z. Um, but if there's something compelling to say that it could work, then I you know, I, I kind of respect that it's just my opinion on it too.
0: Uh, on the other side have you ever given feedback that has come, I wouldn't say come back to bite you but turned out wrong how do you manage that when you see run into the person
1: oh yeah um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm trying to think like there's times I've been wrong about things uh in VC, and then like that company will come back to raise like a seed round after they like you know 5x revenue six months later I'm like man I fucked up <laughs> Um but uh I try to think with people sometimes. Um sometimes they're just like yeah, sometimes they, they're just like people um don't appreciate that feedback. Um but you know what? Actually, no, I don't think I think like one of the key things, especially in VC, uh, a partner at a fund told me this. I forgot who Oh yeah, a partner at a Fund told me this, which is like what you like where you want to get to is when you give people feedback and you tell them about like why you you know, why you agree or disagree with what they're doing and they still respect you. And I think I try really hard to um, to give feedback in a way that's like respectful and like be respectful of people's time um, and just be like a, a good person. Um, and so I think because of that, it hasn't bit me that much.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think that people are not as foolish as people everybody thinks they are. And people know when you genuinely care. So even if the feedback came up maybe off strong or was eventually wrong, they know you actually care for them, or are looking out for them one way or the other. So you know how you give that feedback is so 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 important. Um, I, I, I had a question that just slipped my mind. Uh, Anyways, um, have you ever? I mean, looking back at your life right now, is there any time you you would you would have? I mean hindsight is twenty twenty, but anytime you thought you made a big mistake, and you wish you could go back to change that.
1: Ah, uh, good question. Um, hmm, not really, man. Like I think I don't know. Like sometimes I'm a bit bummed that it took me a while to, like it took me a long time of doing policy consulting before I realized that tech was my thing. <laughs> that annoys me because I'm like, man, imagine I had started in tech, like. I could have like a you know an extra two years but it honestly doesn't matter i'm like young anyway so it's fine um no not really i think like all the things i've done have been have been like a, a process of discovery and like a process of discovery to find out like a like what i think my purpose is here on the earth which is a profound thing to know like once you know that you're pretty you're a pretty powerful person and then b like what the right skill set like what the right things for me to do for the next like run of my career looks like in line with my skill set, and i think knowing those two things has put me in a place now where like i'm really 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 excited about what's coming um so yeah like i think it was all a journey to get to a to an understanding of like what i think i'm here on this earth to do and then also like what i'm best to do um yeah so no regrets Ha. Ah, really really <laughs> powerful stuff
0: powerful stuff um Actually, everybody, you've been listening to Caleb Maru, and he has really detailed how he has built his career, his thoughts, his insights, managing people, the mistakes that he doesn't regret, (laughs) and all. Now, Caleb, Um, you work with a lot of African founders. You're passionate about the continent. Um, Where do you think founders and maybe investors actually get it wrong right now?
1: Oh, where do I think founders are going wrong? Mm. I don't know. I think like, yeah, I'm trying to think of something that's helpful here. I think like, mm. I'm trying to think of something that's like a bit, like a bit more meta, like not too uh, operational, but maybe too, maybe a bit more like thoughtful. Um, I think a lot of founders, uh, okay. Honestly, I think like a lot of people raise money when they shouldn't. Like so many people raise money when they shouldn't. And I don't know if, how, if like, if raising funds is the best way to start something like, you know, I'll talk to a company which will be like, oh, we made like, um, you know, we made like 50 K last year. We have to raise now to like, you know, expand or like grow the, like what we're doing. It's like, actually, no, you don't. And you probably shouldn't. I think one of the sad, like one of the things that happened with 2020 and like the boom of like startups and everyone wanting to you know mince new like to start a new company is that like entrepreneurship became a bit of a lifestyle like people started thinking you're like it's a cool thing to go be a founder like i want to go mm-hmm. through that and like everyone started companies people would be like oh i want to do like a you know i want to do a startup in like dog walking or something and so they feel like they go raise money from their friends and it was like a normal thing to do it just normalized people starting companies and raising money but I think what we're realizing now, and you sort of see this in portfolios now, is like starting a company and raising money is not a lifestyle choice. It's like it's a commitment to building something for the next ten years. And a lot of people, like I have this experience. There's a gap here. I'm going to raise money and go do it. They don't think like why is this my last work and why do I care enough about this to go do this thing? Or even if they, if even if it's not their last work, it's like why will like why is this a good enough opportunity for you to give up your next ten years? Because You know, a lot of people who are working at startups are, like, very, very, very capable people. They're smart people. They could probably get jobs at, like, some of the best firms or some of the best tech companies and actually earn more money than they ever could at a startup, right? (laughs) Because most startups fail. And it's just, like, I I think, like, you should have something really, really good um, that you're working on that's unique and that's, like, actually original um, and will move the needle or... Don't like, don't do a startup. Most people actually shouldn't do startups. My... I don't. That's my hearted. That's my. No,
0: no, no. I, actually agree with you. And even if you're gonna do a startup, can you please work in a structured environment first? Because data and study shows that um, you sort of replicate the good and the bad from um, where where you worked, you know, worked in, be it your first job or your second job, you sort of just replicate that. And there is a correlation between great companies. And the startups they're in. So if you run a crappy startup, your your staff will learn some of your bad habits and replicate that in your yeah, you know future ventures, and it's just a bad cycle. Um, Caleb, you've done amazing with um, Proximity Ventures. You started this amazing amazing um, newsletter, Tech Safari. Everybody sign up, please. And uh, what what's where do you where should we expect to see Caleb in the
1: next five years? oh man uh probably everywhere (laughs) (laughs) um probably in your inbox hopefully with my newsletter (laughs) textbook but um i don't know man like i think i don't know i think the opportunities are kind of endless and so like i'll I'll always be investing in startups in africa i don't think that's going away because i just love 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 doing it um but like the next five years anything can happen which i think is the most exciting thing um when I think about it, so. (laughs) Uh,
0: Nice. All right, everyone, thank you so much for spending the last 30 minutes. I'm listening to I and Caleb exchange words and laugh. (laughs) Um, It's really been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Caleb, for being on this podcast and um, hope to see you around.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah.
0: That's all on today's episode of The Grinders Table and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MontiorOM. That's at Montior for me French, OM. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.